the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, 507 on the Central Coast on this Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. I'm Dave Congleton, about an hour. Geologist Will Harris critiques all the dust research studies in the Oceana Dunes and finds them flawed. This hour, look who's here. The hey, one, Dave. The only hometown attorney, Mr. Jeff Stolberg. Hey, nice to be here, Dave. And I'm nice hometown now because I'm living in town. Yeah, you're living here. What's going That's on? That's right. After 26 years, I'm actually a San Luis Obispo and not a Cayucan. I hope the place came with free parking. Uh, actually, I got nine spaces. <laughs> so I may even put in a charging station or two. It's your office and your home. Actually, not my office. I kept my office at uh, uh, 755 Santa Rosa because it's got handicapped access and it's got the elevator. And I had a year left on the lease there. But, uh, you know, I had this great opportunity to buy that historic home, the Reed House at Johnson Marsh that had been sitting abandoned all those years. Yeah. And so I turned it into the first floor into professional office space and I've... Got it rented out to a bunch of psychologists to help me deal with all the problems I have. <laughs> and then I moved it upstairs, and uh, I turned it into a two-bedroom apartment up there, and I love living downtown. What do you think? Talk about that for a minute. Well, you know, it's I've commuted in, and uh, so I, you know, for 26 years, I've driven in from Cayucas every morning of Highway 1 and into town, and it's a beautiful drive, you know, 22 miles, and it's different every day, but it's a drive. And... Uh, you know, I felt like uh, I was burning up an hour of my day yep, every day exactly. getting to and from work. And that's yep. kind of what I left L.A. to get away from. I used to commute from San Fernando Valley into downtown or into Beverly Hills every day for 11 years. And I just, you know, it was obviously that wasn't as fun of a drive and uh, not as picturesque. But, uh, you know, it's still 22 miles each way every day and 25 minutes out of your way uh, in the morning and the afternoon. And uh, right now I'm just really enjoying my life being in town. I can walk almost anywhere I want to go. And uh uh, the courthouse is right there, and uh, I don't even, uh, I've got a bike now, so I don't have to drive a car all the time, and uh, I don't have to deal with the parking in the downtown area as much. <laughs> yeah, see, I was commuting back and forth into Pomo, 35 minutes each well, there way, you go. sometimes twice a day. Yeah. I don't miss that at all. I, I, all good things about Napomo, but I so much prefer living in the town where I work. Yeah. Makes and, all the difference. And people said, oh, aren't you worried about living on the northeast corner of Johnson and Marsh because it's, you know, you've got the UPS store and uh, Smart and Final and Rite Aid and uh, um, Yanagi across the street, you know, the, yeah. but uh, at night, in the evening, it's quiet and, you know, when the kids are around during the day, it's busy when they're walking to and from school, but I'm working then. Yeah. And at night, actually, that area of town is quiet and it's out of the central district, so you're not in... You know, the combat zone downtown where all the bars are and everything else. And so I, I, I really, uh, I'm really enjoying living in town. If it gets too noisy, just come to my end of town and it's nice and quiet down there. Yeah, well, it's, you know, and I'm up on the second floor too, so uh, it's a little, a little quieter. Most of the, most of the buildings in that area and neighborhood are one story, but, uh, you know, this is that old Victorian. It was built in 1930 and, uh, it was fun. I took it back, uh, to exactly how it was in 1930, went back and you know had the original hand-hewn floors redone and uh, went through and uh, went back. We even went with bare paints, and I had Steve McConnell from McConnell Construction uh, work with me on it, and he's kind of a Renaissance guy. You know, he and Shelley uh, owned that uh, gallery up on uh, 
North yeah. Monterey years ago at the McConnell Gallery, and so yeah. he's a real, well, he's a Renaissance guy. He's got an eye for art, and so you know he didn't want to modernize a 1930s house, and so I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm just getting ready to re-register it under the Mills Act with the city, which is wow. the Historic Homes Registry. So, other question before we dive in is, here we are with the holidays. What's it like in the court system right now? Do they shut down? Are there trials taking place this week and next week? The court system never shuts down. What I would say is that uh, during the holidays, uh, well, if you're a civil uh, attorney, you really don't want to have a civil jury trial uh, during the holidays because you t- if jurors don't read, if the trial runs over or you start reading in the holidays or deliberations go longer, jurors make the wrong decisions. They make them expediently yeah. rather than thoughtfully if they're running up on their vacation. I even had a case about, oh, Maybe 15 years ago with Judge LaBarbera, we ran over to the Christmas holiday, and we actually ended up with too few jurors and had to retry the case. Uh, we ended up with less than nine, we ended up with less than twelve, and yeah, after the alternates, and uh, we ended up with a mistrial because well, we had a couple left because they had to, and then a couple got sick, and boom, you know, we didn't have enough jurors to reach a verdict. So I'll never do that again. <laughs> uh, you can't comment on this, but this is my new strategy. When I get a jury summons, I this has happened twice in a row now. I write back, I can't make it this date, but put me down for December twentieth. And both times, I haven't gotten called. Well, you know, also, one thing to remember is when you get called up for jury service, if you just answer the call and you call in the night before, unless there's a jury trial starting that next day or you get impaneled that week, you're done for a year. Yeah. And the vast majority of cases settle, you know, the vast majority of civil cases settle before trial. And if a civil case goes to trial, it's usually because it's pretty interesting. I mean, uh it's because there's a real disagreement about something fundamental, and uh, I think it's something that most people, if they were going to have to sit on jury duty, would find not a waste of their time. And, of course, it's important that we have citizens show up for criminal jury trials, because yeah, I know. Uh, I know. otherwise justice doesn't happen. Let's face it, if judges decided all the cases, you know, it, it, we would be in a different country. And if a civil case has gone to trial, does that necessarily mean, Jeff, that mediation has failed? Well, mediation is a formalized uh, process of dispute resolution. Uh, parties are, are urged to discuss settlement at every avenue. I mean, when I, before I file a civil lawsuit in any kind of injury case or a medical malpractice case or a product liability case or a land dispute case, I always write a letter to the other side explaining what our position is and why we believe that, that this is a wrong and why it should be resolved and either say, this is what we think the damages are, can we talk about it? Or, uh, or uh, this is what we think it is. Do you want to mediate it before we file a lawsuit? And uh, unfortunately, the insurance companies have learned the game now because the court system is so slow. I mean, I've got cases where I have a case right now where a woman was run off the road by somebody in a high-speed police chase. They're in prison on a felony, and they were, you know, they were hurt really badly. And their insurance company offered five thousand dollars to settle a case that's worth over half a million. Because they know they can tie it up. So that's a game. In those cases, I don't even bother to send the letters anymore. I just file the lawsuit. Uh, but uh, in a good portion of cases, there's a reason for people to talk. Employment cases especially, because <clears throat> if the employer is underpaid the employee and it goes on and on, it accrues penalties and attorney's fees and things like that. So it behooves the parties in that type of a case or a land dispute case between neighbors to come together early and resolve it while it can still be amicable. Mm. Hometown attorney Jeff Stolberg in studio for the hour. We have a lot to cover. We'll pick up the conversations we continue right here on AM 920, FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC.
This is an hour without agenda. We're just glad to see our good friend, hometown attorney Jeff Stolberg, find out what's going on. But obviously, Jeff, as we're back with you this time of your holidays, uh, people have to be extra careful, do they not? You know, and Dave, I ask, I always ask to come on in December because I want to remind people, you know, if you're having a good year, this isn't the time to ruin it. And if you're having a bad year, this isn't the time to make it horrible. Yeah. You know, I just, the other day, I took a deposition of somebody in a case that was an employee of an adverse party, but uh, a question I always ask, you know, you ever been convicted of a felony? Well, yeah. Well, this person had had a couple of DUIs, and then they had a third one where they'd hurt somebody. And they'd done a couple of years in state prison, and then they'd come out and they'd had another alcohol-related deal, and they had to go back and do a couple more years. And that person is unemployable. Hmm. I mean, because of a, because they let their drinking get the better of them, and yeah. you know, bad things happen to good people when they drink. And uh, and also at this time of the year, there's a lot of pressure on people, money problems, uh, family issues. The holidays are a stressful time for a lot of people. Uh, and, and people are just going out and partying and giving uh, alcohol as gifts. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving gift cards. I give gift cards to Saints Barrel, but I tell people yeah. to drive responsibly and have a designated driver. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm I'm one drink Congleton. I in college I was two beer Congleton. Two beers Congleton was in his own world. Now I'm just one drink. I have one drink yeah. and that's it. Because yeah. and a I don't want to I don't want to take a step back into my wild behavior. But more importantly, I don't want to get a DUI, hurt myself, hurt others, and the money now yeah. for a DUI. It's, well, just, yeah, it's not worth it. Besides that, you know, there's a psychic damage that goes with it. I mean, I don't drink anymore, but uh, even when I was, I can tell you that I have never, as long as I've lived in this county, had a drink and driven a car because the consequences are just too great. And me being a DUI lawyer, I mean, that would be the ultimate hypocrisy if I yeah. got hooked up. Yeah. I always say that some cop would get a weekend in Hawaii from the chief, you know, if they <laughs> ever got me. So, you know, I always uh, either had a, I either stayed wherever I was going to be drinking, or if I was in town and you know, went out to dinner someplace, I'd, you know, get a room at the, you know, uh, like point of vista that my friends own or something like that and spend the night in town or or have somebody else drive or i entertain at home and drink there uh, because it can really affect everything i mean think about it if you live in in, in a remote place like moro bay or you live in napomo or you live in paso robles or or task or you live in san luis Obispo, when you lose your driver's license how do you get to work yeah. If the DMV pulls your license for three months, how do you get to work? Remind us of the consequences. I know they vary from case to case, but what, what okay. is somebody well, risking with a DUI? Well, best case, first offense DUI, if you're just right at the legal limit. You get pulled over for something like a taillight out or your license plate illuminator bulb is out, and they pull you over and you're right at the legal limit, but you, you, know, you pass the field sobriety test, and it's just a chemical violation. You're .08, .09. Those cases get resolved as alcohol-related reckless driving, so you don't go to jail, but you're on probation for a year. It whacks the or 18 months. It whacks the dickens out of your insurance. Uh, you have to take an alcohol uh, a class, and you got to pay almost two thousand dollars in fines and penalty assessments. And then, uh, even if you don't pay an attorney, uh, you've got the you know, that you've got that hanging on your record, and then it's three years before you can go in and have somebody like me petition to get it off your record. And then even then, if you get another if you get another one in ten years, uh, it ca- it's counted as a prior offense, even though it's a wet reckless. If you get a DUI within ten years of that, then that's a second offense, and the penalties start to get really heavy. But the first offense DUI, the minimum penalty is a twenty is a you know twenty five hundred dollar fine. 
uh, and uh, uh, two days county jail time or sheriff's alternative work program. You have to have an ignition interlock device in your vehicle for six months, breathalyzer in your vehicle. So you got to blow every time. And if you have more than one vehicle, you have to have a breathalyzer in each one. And then for the three years of your probationary period, you have to submit to chemical testing anytime you're pulled over by a police officer, whether there's probable cause or not. So uh, you get pulled over for anything. Uh, you know, you're not wearing a seatbelt. You're talking on a cell phone. You're going to be blowing into a machine. And uh, it's humiliating. I mean, if nothing else, imagine you're just at the side of the road driving the kids to school during the day or soccer practice, and you get pulled over, and you got to get out and blow. You know, you got yeah. little Timmy in the back of the car and, you know, and his friends uh, and uh, people driving by. I just say it just isn't worth it. And uh, obviously, if you hurt somebody else, then the penalties get really bad. And also, if you're driving with somebody under 14 in the car, uh, then that's child endangerment. Uh, just yeah, having yeah. them in the car, sure. not to mention an accident. So I, I tell people, I'm not telling people, don't have a good time at the holidays. Have a good time, but plan ahead. If alcohol is a part of your your uh, agenda, do it where you're going to stay. Make sure you've got a sober ride. You know, uh, arrange an Uber in advance or a Lyft. I'm not, I'm not, you know, pumping any one service, right. but you know, you could arrange a time and location in advance. You plug it into your phone and say, I'm going to leave Ann Emma's at 11 p.m. and I want to be home by 11.30 to you know catch the late show with Jimmy Kimmel, you know, or whatever it is. If you don't want to listen to watch the Dave podcast, yeah, yeah. listen to the Dave podcast. Well, so is all this stuff working? I mean, is, are DUIs down? Are people drinking less because no, of this? No, it surprises me. You know, during COVID, I <laughs> say during COVID, DUIs were way down and domestic yeah. violence was way, way up. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there was just an incredible number of, of domestic violence cases. Now people are out more and they're socializing again. And uh, especially after Thanksgiving, I would say that the week or two after Thanksgiving, I get the most phone calls of any time in the year because people forget from the year before. They're past Christmas, they're past New Year's, they're past St. Patrick's Day, they're past the 4th of July. And they just think, oh, it's just Thanksgiving. Actually, the biggest DUI event is Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Without a doubt, more people get arrested. Even more than New Year's. More than New Year's, yeah. Because, Super Bowl because people think about New Year's. You know, at Super Bowl, I'm just going to the friend to watch, to see the game. Well, people drink a lot more, and people drink in the afternoon. And uh, and uh, sometimes they haven't eaten as much, or uh, it just, uh, it's just, it's different. I think that people, uh, alcohol seems to affect people more also in daylight, or bad driving's more obvious as well, too. Yeah. If you're weaving during the day, it's a lot easier to see somebody who's an erratic driver than if they're driving at night. Uh, incoming text, if you ever want to get a pilot's license, forget it if you have a DWI. Yeah, well, forget it. If you got a wet reckless, forget a pilot's license. Uh, any kind of alcohol-related offense, you can kiss uh, your pilot's license goodbye. And I'm not talking commercial. I'm talking about ability to go out and rent a plane and you know, and fly around at the airport, and uh, because you're flying over populated areas, so bad decisions in your youth affects you later on. Comes back. Sure, uh, you know one of the things that I'm working on right now is uh, I'm working with a kid who uh, made a few bad decisions when he was a juvenile, and you know now he wants to be, and he's really brilliant, and he wants to be a a pilot in the Air Force, and I'm working on cleaning up. Well, the juvenile record should be sealed, but I have to go back and really get it cleaned up so that he'll ultimately be considered for it because he would be a good pilot. And what does that mean to clean up a record? It means have it expunged or have things treated as if they were a nullity. In other words, you know, for example, let's say somebody commits a drug offense 
it's a felony when they committed it. Mm. Like, so let's say 10 years ago, they got caught with a quarter ounce of cocaine. And then that became a misdemeanor for simple possession. Well, you could get the felony reduced to a misdemeanor. And then ultimately, if the person successfully completes probation, you can get the misdemeanor uh, conviction dismissed. So on a typical background check transunion experience for employment, it wouldn't show up. But that always shows up in the NCIC computer, the National Crime Information Computer, unless you take the steps to have that actually removed. And even then, uh, it doesn't affect it doesn't take away a firearms prohibition. Mm. Hometown attorney Jeff Stolberg is our guest for the hour. His website is? Uh, StolbergLaw.com. Phone number is? 805-544-7693. What kind of law do you specialize in, sir? Uh, winning law. <laughs> no, I, I, I do a civil litigation, uh, which is employment law, personal injury, professional uh, malpractice. Not me committing malpractice, others. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, product liability work, and uh, in addition to that, uh, property disputes, not over land use, but you know, I guess you'd say bad neighbor cases, and uh, criminal defense. Right. And uh, on your business card, you were pointing that out. It, it says... Oh, I just, I, you know, I, I, I like to say that I'm first a counselor. I give people advice yeah. and try to help them make good decisions. If they make a bad decision, I advocate for them to try to help them resolve it. And finally, when all else fails, I'm a trial lawyer. Perfect. And on top of that, he's a great radio guest. We've got news and traffic and weather. We'll continue with hometown attorney Jeff Stolberg and welcome your questions and comments as well. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. It is the Dave Congleton Show. Happy Tuesday. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Before I start uh, reading the text messages that are coming in, uh, where's the Stolberg text line? No, oh, the Stolberg text, I don't text myself. <laughs> but you'll be back with it. It will go back will. to being the Stolberg text line on January 2nd. It is. I, you know, I, I had an experiment in working and playing with others, and you know, I'm just a, kind of an odd cat, Dave. You know, I practiced in a big law firm uh, for 10 years down in L.A., and uh, I fled for my life. You know, it was I was like the guy in suits that crawled over all the bodies to get to the top, and then I got the top, and I hated it. And, you know, and I came up here, and I hung out my shingle in 97 on Palm Street, and it was a one-horse show, and I guess I really just decided that uh, I like it better that way. Yeah, so the Stolberg text line will be back in January. Yeah. And, right uh, now, it's a text it's, line it's with no same, name. Same phone number, uh, same email, same great service, same good people. I mean, I've got... Uh, I work with really good people, and uh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm mentoring lawyers from the law school. One of the things that was really fun last year is that uh, two uh, younger lawyers, well, you know Eva Oles, yeah. Eva, Eva's got her own practice now, and Seth Williams, who graduated from the, our local law school last year, they were the number one and two of the class. I had a case down in Santa Maria, a business case, and uh, the, you know the clients really couldn't afford to pay my $750 an hour for a full-blown trial that went on for weeks. So I essentially sat in with them and, and had these two third-year law students try the case, and we wiped out the other side. I mean, they were just extraordinary. And it was so 
it made my heart swell because they were so eager to do it and so diligent in how they prepared. And even Judge Regali down there, because it was a bench trial, we waived jury. And, uh, you know, I came in to ask a couple of questions, and the judge shut me up and says, hey, Mr. Stone, he says, they're doing just fine on their own. <laughs> doesn't she, doesn't Eva have a photographic memory? She has an eidetic memory. And yeah. uh, my, my funny story about her was uh, when during COVID, we were doing a lot of me, uh, arbitrations and mediations and employment cases because there were a lot of employers that were not complying with the COVID rules and a lot of employment uh, contracts. Back then, less now, you know, called for binding arbitration of disputes or mediation of them. And so we were in a mediation on a case, uh, and uh, the other side was represented one with one of those, you know, big uh, uh, law firms that sounds like MoFo or something like that, you know, with a thousand lawyers. And so it was a Zoom uh, mediation, but you could tell there was like eight lawyers in the other room. And then uh, and then we had the mediator in the middle. Of, uh, it was going back and forth room to room with me and Eva. And uh, the other lawyer cited this case for the proposition that, well, she could find any job, you know, uh, you know at that kind of wage per hour and, you know, shouldn't be entitled to uh, uh, any kind of extended loss of earnings. And Eva said to me, she misquoted, they misquoted that case. And the other media came back and said, well, that, you know, your case is only worth like $25,000 because of, you know, X versus Y. And she went into like the footnote in the page where it distinguished from, it from that case, from like a 38 page case. And the mediator was like, and, and while she was doing it, she pulled up the case and emailed it to the other side of the mediator. And I'm reading it while she's saying this. And sure enough, you know, she was right. And we walked out with $200,000 more than we did at that point. And I said to myself, this woman is a gem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but question. it's fun working with people like that. It's exciting to be able to work with young people that have that kind of gifts those kind of gifts question on the text line uh jeff if i'm pulled over should we decline the field sobriety and breathalyzer test should we claim the fifth and not say anything if arrested should we submit to text te testing but before arrest submit to nothing okay first of all you have to submit if you're driving a motor vehicle you must consent to either a breath test or a blood test if you take a breath test and you're uncertain about the result you have the right to opt for a second test by blood. If you decline the test, you will automatically lose your driver's license for one year, and when you go to trial, a jury will be instructed that the fact that you refuse the test is a strong presumption that you refused it because you were guilty. Also, uh, sometimes if you refuse a test, and uh, the uh, the court will call a or the the, the uh, officers. CHP will call a judge at night and get a warrant, and they will strap you down to a table and take your blood, especially if you have some sort of testing requirement. So uh, I don't give legal advice in general to people other than uh, if, uh, if you're approached by a police officer who asks you a question and you don't want to talk to them, ask if you're detained. If they say you're not detained, then you can assume you're free to leave. If they say you're not free to leave, then you are detained, and you shouldn't say anything and be cooperative. But uh, beyond that, uh, you're not required to take any field sobriety tests. But if you uh, uh, tell the officer that you've had any alcohol to drink within the last 12 hours, or you have any objective signs that you're under the influence of alcohol or any drug, and by the way, that could be too much cough syrup. If you've got a cough and you drink too much Robitussin, you, know, you could fail a field sobriety test and really? be under the influence. Sure, it's, it's under the influence of alcohol or any drug. 
So that can be an over-the-counter drug. Uh, More difficult to prove because that has to be proved by blood tests and physical evidence. But uh, every case is different. But I always tell people, do not turn a misdemeanor into a felony. Uh, The case where that I have where my client was run off the road, where Farmers is offering $5,000 on a case where they should be offering their $500,000 policy. That was a kid who had a juvenile problem, and then the police went after him, and he ended up in a high-speed chase injuring a bunch of people. If he just pulled over, it would have been a misdemeanor, probably probation violation. But instead, he turned it into a felony eluding an officer, hurt a bunch of people, and he's in state prison now. Hometown attorney Jeff Stolberg is here. We welcome your phone calls, 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Or feel free to text in a question if you want. Let's talk a bit about commonality. How many DUI cases do you think you've handled in your career? Ballpark it. Oh, well, at least at least for the time I've been here, at least six to eight a month. So it's, let's say, 50 a year for 20 years, close to 1,000 in San Luis Obispo involving alcohol or drugs or both. Right. So what about commonality? Well, first of all, the commonality is if you take seven, if you go into, go down to the court any morning and you look at the people that are in custody in the orange suits there, I would say 75% of those cases, or those people, because they're not cases, they're people, what brought them there, alcohol or drugs or both are involved in some way. Either it's alcohol or drugs, selling it, getting in a fight over it, uh, Hurting somebody over it, uh, dealing it, uh, doing something crazy because they took too much of it or because they took too little of it. Mm. And uh, what's changed over time when I first moved here is that most of the cases were methamphetamine. And uh, methamphetamine is uh, is broadly used, but it's not. I, I just say that I don't see it as much of in the court as the real major crimes. The major crimes now involve Opioid drugs and the sale of those, and there's a lot of violence and money that goes along with that uh, because there's just a lot of profit made in that. And, uh, you know, the fentanyl thing is really frightening because uh, the difference between uh, getting really high on fentanyl and being dead on fentanyl is like the difference between one grain of sand and two grains of sand. So if you have, let's say, some cocaine that's cut with a little bit of fentanyl to make it make bad cocaine more desirable because it makes them feel better. Uh, If the mix isn't quite right, one person can do a little bit and feel euphoric, and the person right next to them can drop dead. And there's no predicting which is which ever. Uh, Question on the text line. Let's see if we can sort this out. Can you tell us when a lawyer makes advice to a client versus making recommendations to a client. If a lawyer makes recommendations to a client, is that illegal or discretionary as advice? Uh, If it's illegal, is that something that the state bar should be aware of or not? You know what? That question makes no sense, so I'm not going to answer it. I'd say unintelligible move to strike. (laughs) No, no offense to the person. You know, people come to attorneys... With with issues, sometimes, I don't understand the question either. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> when somebody says, uh, "I have this problem," what should I do? I never tell people how to run their life. I say, "This is the situation you have. These are your options under the law." There's plenty of options that the law doesn't account for. I mean, there's plenty of things that people can do that I have no control over. Well, uh, here's a better text. Uh, what is the limit to drive with marijuana in your body? You know, th- there is no established limit uh, at which. Uh, at, at which somebody is affected for you know with 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 almost any uh, 
uh, drug. There's what's considered an effective dose, an ED, at which, which you're statistically impaired. And with alcohol, it doesn't matter whether you're impaired or not. If you're a, if you're a, a, a minor, it's .05. If you're an adult, it's .08. Uh, and whether you can pass all the field sobriety tests or not, if you're .08 and you're behind the wheel of a motor vehicle and you're an adult, you're DUI. If you're a minor, you're .05. Uh, you're, uh, it's a DUI. And if you're a minor with any measurable alcohol in your blood, it's an infraction that causes you to lose your license for a year. But uh, as with almost anything, people have tolerances. For example... Uh, I used to, we see people, I call them Russian DUIs. You know, somebody that gets up in the morning and drinks three ounces of vodka for breakfast. Uh, sometimes they can have incredibly high be- blood alcohols and do relatively well on the field sobriety test yeah. because they're habituated to it. It doesn't mean that they're healthy. Uh, but, and then you can have somebody, I had a case where a little old lady went to her granddaughter's wedding in Cambria and she had one glass of sherry and she was a .04 and she was hammered. I yeah. mean, absolutely hammered. All right. Let's take a call. We got Vita in Los Osos. Hey, Vita. Hi, this is very interesting. Thank you. I just wanted to ask, um, if someone sells uh, opioid to another person, and whether or not they know that there's fentanyl in it, and that person dies, uh, can they be charged with uh, negligent homicide or whatever? Well, you know, a charging is always discretionary with the district attorney and their situation situation specific. So, but for example, if uh, if you're selling a drug and you're cutting it with fentanyl and you don't mix it up uh, well enough, and and you know, and, and three people do it and get high, and the fourth one drops dead, uh, I would imagine that the DA would charge the person the death of the person uh, that OD'd as a separate offense over and above you know possession for sale. But okay. uh, but it, you know, charging. Uh, how things are charged depends on a number of factors, and I'm not a DA. Uh, I I deal with the charges once they've been filed. Sometimes people do a, commit an offense, and before they're arraigned, you know, I'll contact the DA if there's uh, certain mitigating circumstances, and we'll arrange what an appropriate plea is before a, a charge is even filed. That's the rarer case. But, um, you know, it differs a little bit now. You know, Mr. Dowsoff, uh doing some work for the U.S. Army and the, and the Joint Command in the Middle East, and number two, Eric Dobroth is the acting district attorney. And, you know, uh, Mr. Dobroth has a you know b- little bit different take on some of this stuff because he grew over in an area in Bakersfield in, in a neighborhood where a lot of people that he knew, good people, you know, had relatives and brothers and parents and cousins that, you know, were involved in drugs. And, uh, you know, yeah. they saw family members die, and so he has a different view on it and is a bit more treatment-oriented from what I've seen so far. But uh, Vita, what else you want to say? Yeah, I thought I read about a case not long ago that someone was charged who had sold uh, the opioids, and I don't know if he knew there was fentanyl in it or not, but I, I thought I read that, and I don't remember what the outcome of that was. I was just curious. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, usually in a homicide case, you know, there's got to be some, what they call it mens rea, a, a, a culpable mental state. So, I mean, if you think, let's just say, for example, you think you're throwing baking soda in somebody's face to make them sneeze because you think it's funny, and it turns out that it's a bag of fentanyl by mistake, and they die, you didn't intend to kill them, you thought you were putting baking soda in their face. On the other hand, if, uh, you know, the cops are coming into your jail cell, and you're splitting up fentanyl that you're selling to the other prisoners, and you throw it up in the correctional officer's face, and he gets a whiff and dies, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Vito, thank you.
805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Here's Bruce on KVEC. Hey, Bruce. Yes, sir, Dave. Listen, I guess I've got a question about civil asset forfeiture. We're getting some legislation in Congress getting a little traction. How about you? Where you and your associations come out on this? There, I don't. I, I don't can't answer that question. I don't I'm not remember any associations that take positions on it. Civil asset forfeiture frequently is used when uh, they believe that uh, money or a uh, or a thing is used to commit a crime. For example, if uh, a car is found, and in the car you look under a roll, somebody finds a Rolls Royce, and under one rocker panel there's six hundred thousand in cash, and under the other one, you know, there's two keys of heroin. They might not know whose car it was, uh, or they might not be able to charge the owner of the car. But they might say, well, that vehicle was used in, in connection with the transportation of something across a border, and then that that car would be subject to asset forfeiture and then the owner of the vehicle would have to come forward and say uh that was my vehicle and i didn't know that was there and now, most of those cases abuse, the vehicle, how they're abusing it and uh, policing for profit well you know that's an issue that i have no experience with in my practice it, 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 wait, okay. it has not come up in my local practice so i wouldn't be the person to talk to about it you're probably more likely to talk to a, a federal court practitioner because the federal courts uh, really deal with that a lot more than the local courts do. I you rarely see uh, uh, forfeiture in cases around here unless uh, the police find a car and there's like you know six hundred thousand dollars in the trunk and nobody's claiming it. No, I'm thinking more of the ones you read about where a guy's transporting money. He's a veteran. And he's trying to help his daughter get on her feet. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not the person to ask about that because that's yeah. not an area of my practice. All right, we'll move on. Bruce, okay. thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, on the text line, uh, Dave, thank Jeff for taking the time to educate us. He is so knowledgeable. Oh, about the things I am. Aww. But then I say no and I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you got to know what you don't know. On the text line. I don't know a lot. How do I find out what is written about me on NCIC? How do I change it if it's not correct? Well, you can do a background check on yourself. I mean, you know, there's you can contact any private investigator and say, uh, I want to run a background check on myself, and they'll tell you what's there. You can also, uh, you want to know what's on yourself, go get live scanned. Go live down, scanned. Go down to the sheriff's department or go down to the sheriff's department or uh, San Luis Obispo Police Department and make an appointment and have them live scan you based on your palm print and see what comes up. They can do that? Yeah. I mean, that's what you do. If, if, if you want to coach soccer... Uh, when I when I was coaching when Mark you know when I was coaching the mock trial teams to go on the high school grounds to do that you have to go get live scan to make certain that you know you're not like a previous pedophile or something like that huh. and for good reason so right. uh, and then uh, uh, oh, let's, the take one, let's take a call let's yeah, take a Lynn. call we got Lynn we got Lynn in San Luis hi, hi Lynn, Lynn. <laughs> hi Jeff hi Dave hi Lynn this is one of my very favorite persons on your show. I was going to say, Jeff. she never calls in for anybody else other than Jeff Stolberg. Oh, God. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm being stalked. Okay. What's your question? <laughs> um, Jeff, this is way minor compared to all the other questions you've had, but I had an incident yesterday where I unfortunately rear-ended somebody. And <laughs> unfortunately, I know, it's, I know I'm the bad guy. Yeah. But, um, Not bad. That's an was, accident. It was during, yeah, and it was during super, super rainy time, and I'm not making excuses at all. But we, we pulled over, and, you know, the guy wanted all my information. Of course, I gave sure. it all to him, and everything's all wet, and we're out in the pouring rain. 
But I asked him for his, and he said, no, I don't have to give you anything. Well, they do. Said, Everybody involved in a, in a traffic collision has to exchange information. Uh, not passengers, but a, the driver of any vehicle. If there's $400 or more in damage, the, uh, the, the driver of, of any vehicle has to exchange their information with the other with the with the other person and in a situation like that if they refuse to give it i would always call the police myself and i would certainly take a photograph of the license plate of the vehicle and you know and the person well i did i did he did refuse and i said but we have to exchange this and it's poor like pouring rain so we're all trying to do our thing and all he did was say take a picture of my license plate and my first name's antonio Okay, and well, then what you do is you just contact the San Luis Obispo Police. What did it happen in the city or in the county? Yeah. yeah, in the city. So if it happens in a city, you go to the police department in that city, and you give your name and the, the vehicle you were driving, and you fill out what's called a counter report, and you say, I was involved in an accident on this date at this time with this vehicle, and here's the license plate. And the driver gave me a name of Antonio, but did not provide me any identification or insurance or registration information. Uh, it's not uh, it's not a hit and run because that person didn't cause the damage and leave, but it is an infraction uh, to leave the scene of an accident. It's not a arrestable offense, but it's an infraction to to not provide information at the scene of an accident, including insurance information, because if the person is not the person. Uh, well, it may affect it if a claim is brought. First of all, you want to know that if who the driver of the vehicle is. And there's certain types of claims in California that in order to recover, if you're going to make a personal injury claim, uh, you have to have had insurance yourself if you're the owner-driver of the vehicle. So you can't drive around uninsured, and then somebody runs into you, and you could say, well, you know, I want all your money in your house. All right. Well, yeah, there's fi- financial responsibility is a reciprocal uh, duty in California of people who drive motor vehicles. Yeah. So should I go to the police? Because I, I mean, he, he I just know told that I just said that he, you should just go told and fill yeah. out, file a counter report saying yeah. I was in an accident with this person at this time on this street, and here's my photograph of the license plate of their vehicle, and the other individual would not provide their identification. Yeah. Okay. That's Perfect. how you protect yourself. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right, Lynn, thank you. Good general information to everybody. All right, we'll come back and wrap things up with Mr. Stolberg, our hometown attorney. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. So this NCI guy just keeps texting. He needs to call you. No, he doesn't. I don't do that. Uh, Call Kara Stein Conaway. Who? Kara Stein Conaway. That's a... Kara is her first name. Okay. And her last name is hyphenated, S-T-E-I-N. Hyphen Conaway, C-O-N-A-W-A-Y. She's excellent at that. Okay. Uh, your phone number, though, in case people want to call you on other things. 805-544-7693. Website? Uh, Stolberglaw.com. And, uh, you got 45 seconds for a final okay. thought. I want to thank uh, the people in the community for uh, letting me be successful here. You know, this is my 26th year here, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to put my kids through school, you know, have a good lifestyle here, and... Be a member of the community. We're not for people's loyalty, and uh, I appreciate it. So my ask is that you all are safe during the holidays. People designate a driver when you go out. Be kind to each other. Be careful and be around next year to call me if you need a lawyer. Yeah. 544-7693. In case you screw up. 
Call Jeff yeah, Stolper. And by the way, a shout out to uh, to John Spencer. I order the diesel turkey every year, and I already ordered my prime rib for New Year's. It's the best deal around, and the seasoning can't be beat. Yeah, absolutely. You just Agreed. throw it in the oven. It's all ready to go. Happy holidays, sir. Happy holidays to you and uh, Craig, too. Off we go. We've got news, traffic, weather. Back on the other side with geologist Will Harris critiquing the dust research studies. He claims they're bogus. What do you think? Let's talk. Talk the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.